Hey parents, we're glad to have you with us again for another episode of the Wonder of Parenting podcast. My name is Tim Wright, along with Dr. Michael Gurian. And uh, today we're going to do another listener question. We've been receiving a lot of those lately, and we love getting your questions uh, because that's what we're here for, is to try to walk with you as you experience the wonder of parenting along with your kids. Uh, If you are ever interested in sending us a question, you just go to our website, wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com, and there's a place there for you to subscribe to the podcast, which we hope you'll do so that you get a fresh podcast every Monday. And we want to encourage you then, if you've got a question, to write that out. There's a a place to do that. And, of course, there are resources that we have to help you go deeper into all the topics that we talk about. Uh, Michael, we've got this really good question today, and uh, I'm really excited to hear uh, the answer to this, uh, as I'm sure a lot of parents are. So are you ready? Uh Uh-oh, we better hope we have an answer. (laughs) Yeah, well, if if we don't, uh, it's okay because the podcast is free. So money back guarantee today. (laughs) There you go. So this comes to us from Kim, and uh, I'm going to just read the whole thing because I think it's, it really describes uh, what a lot of parents are dealing with. So uh, this is what Kim writes. Good afternoon. Wondering if you could answer something for me about my five-year-old boy. He's a bright, curious, aggressive, and defiant little guy who can also be a mush. I just started listening to your podcast, thank you very much, and finding them very helpful. Wondering if you could give me some strategies for dealing with defiant behavior and also impulsivity. I realize a lot of this is normal, and let me say I'm pretty lenient. He rides a scooter, bike, is trying skiing, and does karate to get that energy out. Looking for ways to channel that aggression and energy. But I also have a 17-month-old, so in public it can be quite hard to control him during these moments of impulsiveness. Ramming into people with mini shopping carts at Trader Joe's. Uh, On vacation, he's running into the ocean while I'm holding the 17-year-old with no fear, ripping his hand away in a very crowded airport. These things, in my mind, are not acceptable, and I'm trying to find ways to coax him into being more accommodating. There's also school, where he's constantly throwing his body around, ramming into people and getting into trouble. But I don't let it get to me too much. He's not intentionally trying to hurt people. So I'm looking for strategies and info on how to deal with defiance. I imagine that this will become more and more as he gets older and he's outgrowing me. She's, and she says, I'm five feet tall and he's almost four feet already. And so she says, please help. Burnt out mommy, Kim. Mm-hmm. So, Michael, there's a lot of stuff in there. Oh, and yeah. I'm guessing you've heard these things before. And um, uh, let me just first ask the question. Do we see this kind of behavior more in boys than girls or is it pretty equal across uh, the genders? Um. Well, yeah, one would hate to stereotype, but yeah, we would we would tend to see this kind of impulsivity uh, more in boys. Uh, but you know, like I have two daughters, and when one of my daughters at five didn't have this behavior, the other one though did. Yep. So so we all want to all agree that anything can happen. But in the aggregate, yeah, this this is something boys don't have as much impulse control naturally, and especially if they're built the way this guy um, is is neurologically built. You know, the way his personality is built. Uh, I think this would would make sense. Yeah. So let's uh, let's dive into that. So as you heard that, what are some of the things that you are hearing about? Uh, not only this little boy, but boys or girls who who act out like this, or even your own daughter. Well, one thing about this question, and I, I've been feeling this about a lot of the questions that we get, and I just want to tell our listeners this that 
that there are there are some key facts missing that that we're gonna we're, I'm gonna have to and we're gonna answer this question without knowing these things and I'm gonna that's point right them out yeah and one of and that's this is one of the primary reasons that we created the the Gurian community and the online course which is five hours of coaching with me so I can answer questions through that modality is so that I can ask questions back because yes. as I'm listening uh, you know listening to you but I have read it of course as I read it and I'm listening. Um, I got a number of questions, like one <laughs> one question, and, and they're not answered in this thing, so we're going to have to guess. One question is, uh, where is the dad, or is there another influence? Right, right. Because one of the one of the most important things we can do with kids like this is to um, make sure they have bi strategic parenting. So if one, like she she said, I'm pretty lenient. So if she's pretty lenient, um, hopefully there's someone else there who's not as lenient. You know who is providing a different kind of authority and is pushing back on this behavior more. So so that's a, a, a question that isn't answered in there and that I think would be important. But it, And at least it also we can give a strategy that way and say, yes, one of the things that is, that's very important with this, this kind of any child, but with this kind of child, is make sure there's someone else who um, um, uh, is going to push back and is going to hold that authority and going to you know say, okay, that's – and obviously I don't mean in some mean way, but just, right. hey – that's that's wrong behavior. So, for example, uh, that thing of being in Trader Joe's and mm -hmm. pushing the cart. So that is like a total no, no. You know, I mean, every parent, I believe, should be empowered. Um, if a kid is doing something like that in public, I, I, you know, I'd even say that's different than at home. At home, you give a certain latitude and you, you kind of want your kid to be running around as he wants to run around, etc. Not hurting anyone, but maybe be running around. But but part of teaching boundaries and part of teaching good socialization is in public, here's the line, you know, and you can't cross that line. And it doesn't really matter if you're impulsive or not. Part of how I teach you impulse control is by holding you to a line in public. And um, so I would say that's that's something I could track right away and say she and, and whoever supports her in raising this child, um, I, I hope they would just toe the line right there and say from now on, never again. You know, mm -hmm. you don't run into other people here. You're going to go out to the car. I'm, you're going to be sitting in the car. I'll stand out here. You can have a big cry, but but that's it. So that's that's at least one I don't have to ask a question about because I would say that's that's something. And then the running away in public places, uh, you know, being an explorer. It sounds like this guy has the, the sort of archetype of the explorer in him, this little guy. And that's a good – that's fine. That's a great thing. It's going to be good for him. Uh, uh, he's independent. That's all good. But if he's scaring his mom that way, then once again, you know, the line has to be towed. You 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 are going to have some discipline if you do that again. I'd, I like the three times rule, so give him three more times. But then that's it. You know, consistent discipline. Um, maybe it's sitting in the car and having a cry, whatever it is. Uh, that one also scares me. I mean, I also think that's one that all all parents should have the right to stop that kind of thing. Uh, because th th anything could happen to that child. And it puts the mom and her baby in a bad position, mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, let's talk some more. But those are two things that come right away to me. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? 
Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. Okay, so um, let, let, I'm going to land there with you for a couple minutes, and then I want to go to the brain and talk a little bit about impulsivity and, and so on. But uh, you, you've mentioned these two strategies. So let's we, we've talked before about the bi-strategic uh, approach to parenting. And, um, you know, we, we can't assume that there's a dad in the picture here, but um, if there's you, you've talked about how important it is to have that that second person who has a different approach to parenting, which is sort of the breaks on uh, these are the lines you don't cross and pushes back. Um, in the case of uh, a father and, or a husband and a wife, um, let's let's uh, take the first scenario that they're both lenient. Um, and I've, you know, we've, we've seen that in Uh, in couples, right. And, and, you know, the, the, uh, the, the kid has a wonderful plan for their lives and he's going to basically sort of run the family. Um, how do you help? Let's start with that. How do you help two lenient parents put in boundaries when it kind of goes against their nature? Uh, what are some things that they can do proactively to still work out of their own particular character and their nature uh, to help mold their son to be more responsible and uh, less defiant? Yeah, I would hit this at levels. The first level is that that as they're talking and maybe they get help from a counselor or from grandparents or, you know, as as they're having that crucial conversation about about being a little too lenient, um, is to think about why it is that we hold lines with kids. And um, despite the fact that it can be hard, especially in the first, let's say, month of changing the way we parent to hold lines. Um, and the reason is maturation. The reason is we want the child to mature, and, and we understand that our most important job as parents is to mature our child to uh, be independent, strong, resilient, uh, you know, able to relate uh, as the next generation so that that child survives and thrives without us. And if if we're both being incredibly lenient, uh, then I think we have to change and we have to think maturation. Uh, and I, I give an example sometimes when I speak of some folks we knew when we were growing up, when I was growing up. So back in the 70s, uh, six, well, I was born 58, so 60s and then teens in the 70s. And these were these really great friends, and they had four kids, so they and my parents were very close. There were four kids there, and my parents had three kids. My parents were pretty strict, in some ways too strict, but strict. That family was experimenting. They were psychologists, and they were experimenting back then with never saying no. They were part of that movement, and they they never said no to their kids. And three out of those four kids had terrible issues as adults, um, substance abuse, one went to prison, 
Uh, and what I, I use that as an example. These were good people, but I use it as an example of the fact that that the kids can't mature without at least one of the parents, you know, holding the line and pushing back. So if it's a single mom, the single mom or single dad, they have to do it all themselves. They have to be the sort of lenient parent that may be their nature, and then they also have to hold these lines. Um, uh, and if it's two folks, then I, I would like to see one of them who's a little better suited toward it, whoever it is, to step up, get help to do this. Um, and of course, we would love the, cons- the parents to be totally consistent all the time, but we know that's, you know, they're not going to always be consistent with each other. So they're, therefore, one of them has to do it. And then uh, with uh, let's go on the home now that has uh, two parents, one's a bit more lenient, one's a bit more uh, boundary oriented and uh, pushback. Uh, It's really important for those two parents to really appreciate each other's parenting style and uh, and in a sense to complement it and not get in the way of it. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, as long as, yeah, we we've talked I think before about how there's been a sort of myth or a narrative that's come out of our our psych profession um, that said you know everything parents do should be consistent with each other. So so you know the mom and the dad should both be parenting the same way. And I I disagree with that. I don't think that's how human nature is set up. I think that, and I don't and I don't think kids um, need that. I think what they do need is consistency of values. Uh, and they and we ought to be united, but we but being united doesn't mean that we each parent the same way and have the same parenting style. And so, yeah, I would I don't like to see us judge each other. I mean, my wife and I, so Gail and I, we are very different parenters, <laughs> and and uh, we did not judge each other. You know, we we well, every once in a while we did. I got to say, but over you know thirty years, you're going to judge each other. But but most of the time, we were well aware that she had strengths and I had strengths. And um, and I would love to see every couple give themselves the relief of that so that, uh, because one of the things, one of the reasons people break up and they don't realize they're breaking up for this reason, one of the reasons they break up is, is uh, parenting. Uh, so some say money, some say sex. These are, of course, reasons that breakups can happen. But one that's under understood is that our kids create massive tension in our relationships. Mm. And we ought not to have them create this tension, the tension of us constantly telling each other you're parenting wrong. Uh, the exception to that would be abuse, absolutely. If a child's in danger, as everyone has listened to us know, if a child's in danger, then everything goes out the window, got to save the child from danger. But if the child's not in danger, then we got to respect each other's parenting styles. And in a case like this, where we have a parent who is who has self-expressed as being as being the lenient parent, you know, one of the things that I would say to her again, I do want to ask her more questions. But one of the things I would say is, is some of this will be solved, uh, not all, but some of it will be solved by someone who's really close to this child, uh, listing these things that this child can't do, uh, and and holding the line on those. Right, and, and and holding the line means being consistent. So uh, when you say this will be the consequence of this particular action, then that needs to be the consequence Absolutely. and you need to do it. Right. Yeah, if, you've, if that parent has said it, parent has to hold authority. And in fact, children are quite hierarchical and human nature is quite hierarchical. So, so um, uh, something that has evolved, I think, since the 70s, 60s and 70s, and I was referring to it back with that other family, is this concept that maybe we shouldn't be hierarchical, that if we're too authoritative, 
authoritative with our kids, they won't express themselves. They won't find a self. And I, and I, I would say that is, it is incorrect. Mm-hmm. There are, there is authoritarian parenting, which yes. is like fascistic parenting. That is not good. That is, that is going to probably become emotional abuse. So we don't mean that. What we mean is authoritative parenting. And then the third one is permissive parenting, and it's what we're calling lenient. So authoritative parenting is what we want, and especially if another person is more lenient, we absolutely need the other person to have this authoritative parenting where I am the parent, <laughs> and uh, these are the rules, you know, and you must follow these rules, and they are reasonable rules. we got to set reasonable rules. They're reasonable rules. So Im- impulse control is something that's crucial here because if we don't have some hierarchy, not again, not to- totalitarian, but some hierarchy, um, this this guy who really is begging his parents to give him impulse control, right? Every mm-hmm. time he runs away and scares his mom and every time he, he crashes into someone at Trader Joe's, what he's really saying is, please teach me impulse control. You ah. know? And, and so we as parents have to go, oh, okay, he's teaching me this. With, uh, he's asking this with his body. He's asking this with his impulses. He wants me to help him self-regulate. He needs to self-regulate to be mature. Uh, so, okay, I got to step up. I got to be an authoritative parent and I got to give him that, even if that means he's going to cry and be mad at me. And, and he may well be for a month or so, but, but then, you know, this will get inculcated and later he will become that guy who will say to his parents, Oh, I'm so glad that you, that you did A, B, and C when I was a kid, because I was just out of control. And, you know, we hear that all the time. Right. Now, what I appreciate about her, and uh, I know that you will uh, echo this, was one of the things that she's done is she's put him into karate uh, to try to help him with his, his uh, impulse control and, and, of course, all of his energy. And you're a big advocate for um, getting uh, boys and girls into these kinds of activities. Um, what, yep. uh, what are some other ones that, um, you know, like a Boy Scouts, what, what could be helpful for this boy as he's growing to be another part of the community that's helping him with his impulse control? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a few things. One is, uh, so this kind of guy probably is going to, uh, along with karate, maybe let's look at sports, let's look at um, athletics, that kind of thing, you know, because, of course, the more he can do with his body and learn impulse, impulse control through his body, the better. And, of course, sports athletics requires the body to learn impulse control, right, because to succeed, you can't just be all over the place. you got to channel. And and that's what this guy, what we want this guy to do to channel. Um, so if he if if he's in karate and liking it, he's probably going to like some sports all along the way. I also, perhaps counterintuitively, but I don't think so, is let's let's hope that he shows an affinity for something like piano or or something in that realm, hmm. because the focus of like practicing piano and uh, and pick any instrument really. Um, uh, and the focus or the focus of doing some art form that actually teaches impulse control, right? Because he's got to just focus on this for uh, whatever, an hour or two a day. And he's going to have impulses to do other stuff. But in fact, he's going to gradually he likes this. So he's going to gradually focus on this. And as he focuses on this, he's actually controlling his impulses. Um, uh, he's controlling being distracted and he's controlling his body from constantly battering into other people. So, so I would, I would love to see both more the physical and also something artistic. Um, I'd love to also see this guy 
reading, you know, this is a guy who, if, he, if he's reading yet at five, if he's not, then wait a year. But if he's reading, let's get him reading half an hour to an hour a day. Um, uh, that's great for the brain and teaches impulse control. If, if mom has time, uh, if he's not a reader yet, have her read to him half an hour to an hour a day. That's something that also teaches impulse control and self-regulation and is just obviously great for the brain and for life. Uh, so th- those are some more. Excellent. Now, um, you, you referenced this uh, new online parenting course, so this is a good time to talk about that because it is really a chance for people to not only learn from you but have access to you. So give us some information about it. Yeah, well, one of the it's kind of partially grown out of doing this podcast and getting all the questions that we get, and, and uh, we just have a stack of questions. And in, as I read every one of these questions uh, you know, I, and get ready to talk about them, I, I just feel like, wow— so to some extent, we can't answer these questions till months out, right? Because, um, because we're months out on these questions. So I wanted to make sure to give people a way where they could get their questions answered directly with me, um, uh, you know, on the phone directly. And then the questions are so great, and I could see there's such a, there's such a need. And I have felt this. You and I have talked over the years. I've felt that there's such a need to have a, a way where I could directly communicate with parents in a in a programmatic way and create a community and um so yeah so developed this online course shot the course uh, at the end of of uh, 2018 december of 2018 and it's a total of around six hours of video that people can watch over a period of months um and then it gives uh folks access to four hours of group calls to ask questions and answer questions and then it also gives them one free solo session with me an hour with me to talk about you know private things things they don't want to talk about with others so it's a total of 11 hours of contact with me and um and it's a way that i can you know give back i mean it costs money of course um it's part of a business but it's still a way people get an incredible amount of value from it and it's still a way i can give back and i can be relating with folks so if people go to the wonder go to wonderapparenting.com and and kind of scroll down you're going to see me talking and you click that and it'll send you to a web page and lays everything out uh or if people are on koreaninstitute.com uh you'll see a picture of me speaking the same picture and you click that and it takes you to the website uh so i do hope people will sign up for that uh, because this it'll allow me to ask for instance kim these key questions right <laughs> and give right. her even better feedback really so uh, let's talk a little bit about um, what's going on, if we can. Uh, what's going on in the mind, say, of, of this little guy, um, and why for him is impulse control an issue or defiance an issue where it might not be in another boy or girl? What's what's going yeah. on in the body, the brain? Yeah, well, you, you mentioned earlier, you know, is it more boys than girls? And I, I, I stayed safe. Of course, because any, anything can happen. Uh, but the reason that it is more boys than girls is because the female brain um, moves more of its functioning more quickly to the frontal lobe. So the frontal lobe uh, can include the prefrontal cortex, the orbitofrontal cortex. It's if people think of their forehead and they, you know, kind of touch their forehead back behind there, you know, is the frontal. And that's the executive decision-making part of the brain. And the female brain, we believe the reason it evolved this way is because it it was starting to do child care so early, historically. Like, girls were having kids at 13, uh, historically, and, and, uh, and the lives they were living, it appears over the period of the last million years, required the brain to, for them to mature more quickly, their impulse control and make the connections 
to the frontal so that they are making executive decisions that are lower risk, that are lower impulse, um, uh, so that they don't get involved in these higher risk behaviors like the kid running independently away from mom to explore, uh, which by the way is its own asset, right? It is its own asset, but, but we think this is why uh, this is the case for girls. And they move about double the amount of brain activity to the frontal uh, as compared to boys, right? So boys are not developing these connections to the frontal as quickly. They're not moving as much of this material to the frontal. So they are not quelling their impulses as quickly as girls do. And, and th then they are, you know, testosterone driven. So females, more estrogen, progesterone, oxytocin, bonding chemical is also aiding them in moving uh, the connectivity to the frontal, whereas boys more testosterone. So there, that's uh, that's an aggression chemical. Later, it's a sex chemical, but it's always an aggression chemical. And so they are aggressively moving in the world, and um, and that means they're not uh, doing as much frontal. So the key thing for parents to realize is there's nothing really wrong with this boy. There's nothing wrong with the fact that it it is true that more boys than girls will tend to have these impulse control issues. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's how the brain is set up. Uh, but it it means that with girls, we would constantly say, okay, we got to teach our girls to take more risks, right? We hear this all the time. And I, as a parent of daughters, especially the dad, the, you know, more of a risk taker, I was making sure to teach my girls to take more risks because they would, because that will help them succeed in life, right? I mean, that was the reason. That was the, mm -hmm. the uh, reason that I was doing that. I wanted them to be strong, empowered, and to succeed. And I knew that they had all this brain chemistry that was setting them up to quell those impulses. But some of those impulses are really good impulses, and especially for risk. But on the other hand, with boys, you know, with a lot of boys, not all, but with a lot of boys, we find ourselves going the other direction, where, we're, where we have to be that parent who helps them learn impulse control, not in a judgmental, fascistic way, a, a way that understands that exploration is great, but at the same time understands that for males, maturation is going to include impulse control. And, and, you know, and the trigger for me knowing that this kid needs it is that he does that stuff in public. It's even, not even the school. Like in schools, one of the things we're helping schools and teachers do, of course, is to process how they, how they mentor and counsel and teach boys so that they don't overreact you know, to that right. impulsivity, because that's that's an uh, that's another problem that I know we've discussed and we'll discuss. That's another problem that can make them hate education. And we don't want that. Um, but this is a guy who's doing it in school and he's doing it in Trader Joe's. So that's why that that's what's going on in his brain. And his brain is not set up at five to move as much of that to the frontal lobe as we need him to. And so we've got to help him get that frontal lobe involved. So Kim's got, as as do many parents, she's got a, a son in this case who's got a lot of energy that if it's harnessed, uh, he's going to do great things in this world, but he's got to be harnessed and um, and guided and directed. And Michael, you've given us some great insights into how to do that. Um, tell us once again where people can get information about your parenting, your online parenting course. Yeah, it's, uh, it's on wonderofparenting.com. Uh, there's a, a kind of a photo, a still of me, and you click that and it takes you to the website or go to gurianinstitute.com and click that very same picture that will show up pretty soon on the homepage and it'll take you to the website and you can learn all about it there and register there and get started right away. Now, just so that we are equal opportunity podcasters, 
we're going to tackle a similar topic, but this is a listener question, and the issue for her is her daughter is always sticking out her tongue at her and at other people. And so we're going to talk about that uh, kind of defiant behavior in our next podcast. We look forward to uh, joining you at that time. Michael, thank you so much for your insights. Oh, thank you, Tim. And folks, thank you so much for listening. Please tell your friends about the Wonder of Parenting podcast. Uh, go to our website, wonderofparenting.com. Go to our Facebook page. Uh, you can find that Facebook and just uh, do a search on Wonder of Parenting and join our group page where we're able to uh, give you some in, uh, information and some other things that we can't necessarily do on the podcast. And we look forward to joining you the next time for the Wonder of Parenting. Have a great week. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.